We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. It is Sunday morning, December 9th. There is no snow on the ground, which I could not say last week when I was in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I am your host today, Jacob Westendorf, and I am not flying solo. Thank God, our guy, Zachy Vengeance, Zach Jacobson, is back this week. Zach, do you have any idea what reference I just made? Zachy Vengeance? No, I, I have no idea. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, so... I usually get I usually get all the references, so that's like that's foreign. All right. Well, my apologies. Zachy Vengeance is a guitar player for Avenged Sevenfold, which is one of my favorite bands, and you kind of look oh. like him, so that's helpful. Oh yeah. Well, I, I I do love Avenged Sevenfold, but not to not to your extent of, of knowing the band names, but well, whatever. I'll roll with it. I like it. <laughs> Here we are. Zach, you're back. Uh, last week we did not get to speak, which was unfortunate, but everything is good to go today. The Packers play the Atlanta Falcons. Real quick, Zach, before we go too much into last week's news, I do want to touch on this week a little bit. How do we feel about this week's game? It's the beginning of hopefully a four-game Joe Philbin era. Joe Philbin is the head coach, which leads into pretty much the rest of this show's content, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. I personally believe they're going to get a little bit of that interim head coach bump. It's almost like this weight has been lifted off the organization's shoulders. That's not to say the players didn't like Mike McCarthy or anything like that. They gave him a standing ovation this week. It's just something that's been hanging over this team's head really since the Rams game in the middle of October. I don't know if that's going to be enough to win. I think the Falcons are certainly more talented than a typical 4-7 and team. They still have Matt Ryan, an MVP quarterback. Julio Jones, Tevin Coleman, their defense has Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley, all kinds of different players uh, that can give the Packers trouble. They just haven't been able to win uh, throughout the course of the season. But I don't know if that's going to be enough to win, but I do anticipate them to play a little bit better. What are you feeling about this game briefly before we go into last week's stuff? Oh, I think they'll win, Jacob. Oh, there you go. I think they're going to win. Because, I mean, we saw this year with the Browns and – you know, when Greg Williams took over as the interim head coach, he they, the came out, they played hard. I think the Packers are going to do the same thing. We're going to see a lot more of these younger players. Like, uh, Robert Tunyon, uh, Cheryl Jamers, just acquired. Um, I think they're going to come out, and they're just going to be playing a lot looser. And, like, we've, we've noticed it. We've all seen the last few weeks of the Packers. They've just been really sluggish. They haven't they didn't seem like a team that on the verge of possibly clinching playoff spot, you know, down these last few weeks, depending on how the other teams played and all that, and if everything fell in place. They didn't look like a team that had a shot at the playoffs. They just completely looked a complete lack of energy. I think it's going to be the opposite of that against the Falcons. I think they're just going to be a lot more well-rounded of a football team. I think they want to, like you said, they're going to be playing hard for Joe Philbin and I know this whole past week they haven't been buying, they haven't been, you know, been saying much about we're doing, we're doing a little new, new this, new that. You know, it's a lot of the same stuff from when McCarthy was here. But I'm not biting. I don't believe that one bit. I think you're going to see a lot of new wrinkles thrown in against the Falcons. It's gonna, it's gonna be fun to watch, and I do think they end up winning. Interesting. So Zach has them winning. I would venture to guess. If you ask me for a prediction, I'd probably say Atlanta wins, but. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised either way with tomorrow's game. I do know last week's game, that is the most uninspired Packers football team I've seen with Aaron Rodgers at starting quarterback since 2008. Uh, And I say that because last year, obviously, it was really comparable to the Vikings and Lions games to close out last season. It really resembled that of a preseason game. Even as they're lining up for the game, tying field goal, it's almost like you couldn't feel it. There was no buzz in the stadium. There wasn't like this, okay, God, I hope he makes this kind of thing. It was just like once he missed it, it was like, oh, okay, game's over. You know, the Cardinals were pumped up. They won a game at Lambeau Field that I'm sure nobody really expected them to win. They were 14-point underdogs. Nobody did expect them to win. But that is what led to 
the big news of last week, and there was a lot of it. First of all, Winston Moss got fired after this. I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. Zach, I'm sure you're kind of in the same boat as me. Winston Moss has been poor for the last couple of years. The linebacker position hasn't really developed anybody, which is obviously not a positive. He's been a jerk to the media all season long. They actually stopped him from speaking to the media, which is just a bad look for the entire Packers organization. So he got fired after a tweet. People can say that it wasn't because of the tweet. That's I, I would I would have a bridge to sell you if you actually believe that. But I don't think we need to discuss that too much because the big news was Sunday night about five o'clock Central Time, maybe a little after that. I don't remember exactly. Mike McCarthy was relieved of his coaching duties, and it hit everything. Uh, they were talking about it in the middle. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are talking about Mike McCarthy getting fired in the middle of a Patriots-Vikings game, which is allegedly between two Super Bowl contenders. Probably just one at this point, but allegedly two Super Bowl contenders. My first question is, we've kind of talked about this scenario before, but we never anticipated it happening. Scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you that, yes, they did in fact do it during the season? I was nine and a half. Like, I was up there. I told you before the show, like, I, I had just put my head down for the first time all day. You know, a couple hours after the game, I finished doing my obligations and all that. And I noticed my phone lighting up out of my room. And it, my whole lock screen was just covered with news of Mike McCarthy being fired. I thought, I told you, I thought it was that Sports Talk Joey account that he, he somehow managed to fool some of the media bigwigs and they bit onto it. The news was just spreading like wildfire, but it, it was real. And, yeah, I was really surprised that they did that during the season. And, in a sense, it was kind of respectable that they did it when they did, as opposed to letting him play out the rest of the season. That was my next question, too, is, you know, we've talked about whether or not that would be the right thing to do versus the wrong thing to do. Do you think – it sounds like you do think it was the right thing to do. Me, personally – uh, I had felt in the moment, now granted, you know, the stuff I was saying and the stuff I was thinking was on the same day uh, as I've removed myself, I at least understand their side of the story of we didn't want one month of torture for the head coach. They felt he had earned better than that. But I felt at the time that as if Mike McCarthy, like to me, I didn't think Joe Philbin or Mike Patton or whoever the interim coach would be, turns out it's Joe Philbin, Gave them a better chance to win on Sundays. I didn't see a purpose of embarrassing Mike McCarthy. Uh, he has been—he's a Super Bowl winning head coach. He was highly successful uh, during his tenure here, and there's no way you can objectively look at his tenure and say it's been anything other than highly successful. So I felt he at least deserved the right to finish out coaching this year's team. Now, the good news is that the Packers allowed him to come back and address the players on Wednesday at practice because by the time he was fired, the players were gone. Some of the guys, Aaron Rodgers said he found out on TV. Uh, Josh Jones, I think, said he found out on Twitter. David Bakhtiari, same thing. That's, I mean, that's a tough way to find out. That's the only head coach each of those guys has played for. That's a really hard way to find out that that man got fired. And say what you will about Rodgers and McCarthy's relationship, uh, it sounds as if, Obviously, there's some issues in there. That's going to be the case with any head coach and quarterback that are together for as long as those two were. But they do seem to have a deep mutual respect for each other. And it's probably hard to learn that way. So, Zach, you kind of had some of your thoughts. You do think it was the right move to do it now instead of waiting the next four weeks. Oh, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Because 
you do save him the entire month's worth of speculation, rumors, you know. And, and to, to be fair, I'm sure at this point, McCarthy, he's immune to all that. You know, he was coaching in Green Bay for 13 seasons up until he was fired. This is not the first time that he's had to deal with that. All of, you know, the negative, the negative backlash from fans, whatever media or what have you. But you, if you have a chance to prevent that from happening and at the same time give McCarthy an opportunity to get a head start on whatever it is he wants to do next in his career, whether it's pursue a head coaching job, pursue a coordinator job elsewhere, or if he even does coach in 2019, which he did say on Thursday or Friday that he's undecided, then you give him the opportunity to get a jump start before this season even concludes. So I'm sure on Black Monday or the week of after the season, I'm sure he's going to be getting a lot more offers if he hasn't already. We know the Browns are, are uh, thinking of reaching out to the McCorn fan side at least. But, yeah, it was, I think the organization, the organization, for anybody who feels the Packers did McCarthy wrong by firing him uh, with four games left to go, I think the organization did kind of atone for that by letting him come in and address the team. And you know, even more so, classy on McCarthy's part, he took out that whole page in the Green Bay Press-Gazette thanking the city, the fans, the players. It was... It was beautiful. I almost wanted to cry, but I didn't because I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, am I the only one that read that page in Mike McCarthy's Pittsburgh accent, or did you do the same thing? I, I did in my head, yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that that was wonderful. The The ad he took out was great. You know, the, Basically, the only thing I could think of saying off that is, you know, no, Mike, thank you. Uh, because say what you will. You know, maybe it's disappointing to some of you that the Packers have only been to one Super Bowl with Mike McCarthy as a head coach, and we're not going to talk about that because I personally think that's ridiculous uh, to have that discussion. But he's he, we've been very lucky as Packers fans to be represented by somebody like that. I mean, there are some fan bases that have to justify their head coach being someone like Urban Meyer or someone of that sort who, yeah, he's a great football coach. Urban Meyer is. Well, was. I guess now he stepped down and is retiring again. But Urban Meyer was a great football coach. And he's a bad person. Uh, I think that's been, I think that's fair to say. If you don't think it is, I apologize. I don't mean to offend anybody here. But you never had to worry about anything like that with Mike McCarthy. He was never going to embarrass the organization. And he is a man of the absolute highest character. I will briefly tell my personal story. I told it on Pulse of the Pack Sunday. Uh, I have met Mike McCarthy a couple different times. And I remember when I was interning for Packer Report with Bill Huber that we were covering the draft and the Packers had just picked Ha Ha Clinton Dix. And we were kind of interviewing everybody and I didn't really know how it was going to go. But the head coach came out and started talking and I'm like nervous as hell trying to figure out. I wanted this to be like a good question to ask. Think of something really good that made him think and give a really good answer. And I asked my question and he just kind of looked at me and smiled. And I think he could tell that I was new. And... Um, he gave a really good answer off of the question that I asked him, and I was appreciative of that. And it could have been left alone at that. But then the next year I was working uh, for films, and I was standing over by the tunnel, and it was after a game, and McCarthy came over and he shook my hand and said, hey, congratulations, guys, I'll see you on the road. And then he looked at me, and I could tell, at least in my head, I could tell he remembered me. The look in his eye isn't of somebody of saying, oh, this is just some new guy. He remembered me and said, you know, I hope things are going well for you. I hope, you know, everything's worked out for you. McCarthy didn't have to do that. 
He could have just said nothing and walked back to the tunnel. That's the kind of person he is. He took some random-ass intern like myself, not only remembered him, but gave him well wishes on his way into the locker room to do things NFL head coaches do, which is far more intricate and everything than I could ever imagine doing. So, Mike, again, if you're listening, and I'm quite certain that you are, uh, thank you for the last 13 years. They've been not always the greatest at times, obviously. You know, there's wins and losses. Um, but it's been as good of anything as I could ever say. You've you've made this this entire city proud. They should be very happy that you were their head coach for that time frame. Now, moving forward, obviously with the firing of head coach, that means they're going to have to hire a new head coach. So, Zach, with that in mind, Mark Murphy came out on Monday and basically said, I'm going to be hiring the head coach. And Brian Gutekunst was with him, and there's some debate as to whether whether or not the the power structure that is right now matters. Because ever since 1991, the power structure has been the general manager has all the power over all the football operations. Not the case anymore. Mark Murphy did say several times he will not hire a coach that Brian Gutekunst is not comfortable with. However, there's a lot of Packers fans from, like, the I call it the previous generation. And, no, that's not a fancy way for me calling some of you guys old. But those that remember the 70s and the 80s when Bart Starr was going in front of the board and explaining play calls and all kinds of different stuff, kind of a running joke now with the current Packers fan base. Is that something – are you concerned – with the current power structure of someone like, because Mark Murphy was very defensive during his press conference on Monday saying, you know, they asked him, they kept asking him about it. And he goes, you guys are keep harping on this power structure. It doesn't really matter. And somebody asked him, I think it was Jason Wildy. Maybe it was Rob Domofsky. I don't remember. And forgive me basically said, you know, how do we, how can we trust you or sort of, you know, what qualifies you to pick the head coach? And, Murphy basically says, I don't mean to brag about myself, but he goes through all of his qualifications of why he should hire the head coach and why that matters and stuff like that. But, you know, Murphy hasn't had to make one significant football decision since he took over, and now he's in the driver's seat. These are Mark Murphy's Green Bay Packers, based on his word. Make no make no question about that. So, Zach, is that something that worries you? Is that something that bothers you? Do you... Do you want to go all the way to the other end and basically say, oh, we're going back to the 1980s? Where are you at with this current power structure? I think it still needs a little bit more time to kind of truly come into effect. You know, Mark Mark Murphy, he's been around football all of his life, and he said as much. You know, that's been well documented. He, He isn't just some schmuck sitting up there in his office throwing together a bunch of random guys, you know, the board and having them make a bunch of different decisions for him. These are going to be well-calculated decisions, and Brian Gutekunst, he's going to be there every step of the way as well. I know they said Mark Murphy is going to be the one making those those decisions, but Gutekunst is going to be involved. And like you said, Murphy, he's not going to hire a guy that Gutekunst isn't comfortable with. And with that being said, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is going to have some input, input in that as well, despite them, you know, they did say Rodgers isn't going to play a vital role, you know, in making that decision, but his input is welcome. And you're damn right. His input is going to be there. He is going to give input on who is going to coach him into the twilight of his career. He just turned 35 last week. He's not getting any younger. This is the guy that he's going to be paired with probably for the rest of his career, you know, until he's playing into his 40s, if he does play into his 40s. This is going to be the guy. This is going to be the new Mike McCarthy. But 
with that being said, I don't think they'll make the wrong move here. It is also a little bit early to kind of truly accurately judge this power structure because there's still a lot of work to be done with the roster. There's a lot of work to be done with the personnel staff. So it's going to be an important offseason. There's, there's no doubt about that. And not just from uh, a team brass standpoint, but from a player acquisition standpoint as well, as well because that roster needs a little bit of reshape. That it does. And, I mean, I have some concern, uh, but I would have concern if it was Brian Gutekunst just hiring the next head coach because Brian Gutekunst has never hired a head coach before. Nobody there has. Mike McCarthy's been here for 13 years. I mean, that's a long time anyways. There's always some trepidation and fear when you're hiring a new head coach because, yeah, I mean, the reality of the situation is the Packers are hiring – if they do it right, they're hiring the head coach for the rest of Aaron Rodgers' career. What they cannot afford is a hire like Ray Rhodes. Or even... I was just going to say, <laughs> they can't get a Ray Rhodes guy and have him last one year. No, and even even to that yeah. extent, they can't really afford to get somebody like Mike Sherman either because Mike Sherman, again, another good guy, but he just wasn't that good of a football coach. Uh, and that really played out at the end where, you know, Brett Favre had his own locker room and, you know, I don't want to get into all that stuff, but they can't afford to hire somebody like that. They need to hire somebody like Mike McCarthy, who's around for, maybe he's not around for 13 years again, but if he's around for a little while. So that's something they're going to need to do. This is a big, big hire, and it's going to shape everybody's opinion on on Mark Murphy, and he's put himself in that position. Now, the Packers are far from the only team that has that structure in place currently. The Philadelphia Eagles, because everybody will say, oh, owner, you know, Jerry Jones, he screws up the Cowboys. Sure, fair. The Philadelphia Eagles have a very similar structure where they report to the chairman, the team president, whatever title it is that you want, instead of directly to the general manager. What did the Eagles do last year? Oh, they won the Super Bowl. So it is possible for this to work out well. Uh, I do understand the concerns, however, and I have some of the same concerns myself, but I think that's natural again because this is the most uncertain offseason that the Packers have had since the summer where Brett Favre, was retired, not retired, and Aaron Rodgers was the starting quarterback after Mike McCarthy famously coined the train had left the station. So I understand that. What I also have in mind here is, you know, there's a list of candidates that have come out. A lot of names are going to uh, come in and out of, you know, speculation. And the reality is, you know, the Packers' job is one of the best jobs in professional football. Premier franchise, History's there, no traditional owner, uh, and oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers is your starting quarterback, which is a pretty good start for anything. Then you add in all the other stuff. It's the top job available, and I don't think there's any question about that. Zach, I've given my qualifications. Um, My pinned tweet is who I would have versus who I would not. Uh, So it's amazing to me some of the things that People have suggested, like, Brett Favre is not going to be the head coach, and that would be a freaking disaster if he was, for example. <laughs> That'll never happen, but if it did, that would be one of the worst hires that any team could ever. We're talking, like, Mark Trestman to the Bears level bad. Just awful. It, it would be great TV, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, I would want them on hard knocks every single year. But from a wins and losses on a field standpoint, yeah, that Packers team would be horrible. Um my, you know, my qualities, I've given them out. It's I want a young, my preference is a young, and again, I'm not hiring a coach, so be thankful for that. But young and offensive-minded, uh, invested in analytics, a little more aggressive on fourth downs, stuff like that is what I mean when I say invested in analytics. 
And I would prefer that person to not be Josh McDaniels and not to be John Filippo. And I've said those reasons on this show. So I don't need to rehash over and over again. The reality of the situation is unless they hire someone like John Fox or Jeff Fisher, which, again, I, I don't think they would do that. But I'm going to at least have an open mind about it because the reality of the situation is we don't know. Uh, you know, when, when the Packers hired Mike McCarthy 13 years ago, I guarantee you, Zach, you and your diapers said, who the hell is that? And I said the same thing. My diapers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. That was too good. Uh, but I guarantee we both said, who the hell is that? You know what? I was at Mike McCarthy's first game coaching the Packers. My condolences. Cause I know how that game ended. <laughs> yeah, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> 26, nothing oh, against the uh, bears. Not the. Not the uh, not the regular season opener, preseason opener. Oh, okay. For the shutout. Yeah, not the sh- shutout. Okay, not they as lost, bad then. Yeah, yeah, no. They lost, I think, 17-3 to the Chargers. Yeah, that's not much better, but it's better than a game that counts, I guess. So, okay, fair enough. Um, where was I going with all that? Oh, uh, yeah, so I, I'll have an open mind on it. We don't know. Mike McCarthy was a who-the-hell-is-that kind of hire, and he ended up being one of the best coaches in the history of the franchise. So, to act like you know who a good head coach is going to be, unless they've been in that seat before, it's kind of an exercise in futility. So, Zach, I know that you have a name that you've gone back to a couple times, so I'm willing to listen. Do you have somebody specific that you would like to be the next head coach of the Packers? I've been mostly undecided, but the one candidate that I've been sticking with, unofficially, I will say, has been John Barbot, which... If they did end up going with Harbaugh, I would not mind snatching Jim Harbaugh from Michigan because his success at the NFL level is undisputed, undisputed, very impressive. He was very good with the 49ers. So yes. If they do grab Jim or John, I'm fine with that. But my preference right now is John Harbaugh. And a lot of these hires, who they decide to go for or who they're considering, it's going to depend on who the offensive coordinator is. Like, for example, if, if they if they hired Josh McDaniels, I know you're going to cringe at the thought, but if they did hire Josh McDaniels, I would be totally fine with that if they brought in uh, Cliff Kingsbury as the offensive coordinator. Obviously, that's completely blast off into space now because he's with USC, but that would have been an ideal situation in my mind. But now, that I, can't, I, I don't think there's going to be another coordinator that I would be personally comfortable with uh, for the offense – that to be paired with Josh McDaniels, I'm not entirely sold on that bet. But right now it's John Harbaugh. And the Ravens, they're 7-5. and five. We don't know what their fate is going to be. They're second in the AFC North. So if they miss the playoffs and they, the team decides to go in another direction away from Joe Flacco and lean more towards Lamar Jackson, does that mean John Harbaugh gets the boot? You know, a whole new ideology over there in Baltimore, is John Harbaugh going to be, you know, on the market? And if he is, I would definitely not be opposed to the Packers bringing him in. Because Rodgers, he's 35 now. Do you want to follow the blueprint that the Rams did with Sean Bay and get this a young, innovative head coach, but put him at risk of him and Rodgers kind of butting heads? You know, or do you want a more experienced leader like that, like Harbaugh, Similar to McCarthy, he was a leader of men. He McCarthy epitomized the Packer way. Harbaugh, that's like he'd be able to follow that script perfectly to a T. 
he would be able to get in Rogers' ear. He would be able to kind of channel Rogers' thinking and, and work with him. I think a lot better than most of the candidates that are going to be out there. Better than Josh McDaniels, that's for sure. Fair enough. Uh, as far as John Harbaugh goes, I think that you know some signs pointing toward his possible exit. Eric DaCosta is taking over as the general manager for Ozzie Newsom. Typically, not always, but typically new general manager means new head coach. Maybe they want somebody that can they can feel that better maximizes Lamar Jackson because that whole thing you said about moving toward Lamar Jackson instead of Joe Flacco, it kind of looks like that's already happening. Uh, Lamar yeah. Jackson started the last two games. Flacco's on the injury report. How injured he really is, I guess, is kind of up for debate. But I think Joe Flacco might be playing elsewhere next season as well. And John Harbaugh might be on the market. Let me say this because you mentioned Jim Harbaugh. And I obviously have an affinity to him as a University of Michigan fan. He is my favorite college program's head coach. I will say first and foremost, I do not believe he's going to leave Michigan. There's nothing that's ever come out that said he would from him or anybody local. It's really just kind of whispers from NFL pundits. And he's never left. And he's basically shot down all those questions. However, Andy Herman, who my thoughts and prayers are with, because you are getting your gallbladder removed and on injured reserve, which adds more to the horrible injury report of the Green Bay area this season. But between Andy Herman, Peter Bukowski, I'll throw you in here on this as well. And you guys are welcome to speak with me whenever you'd like. Uh, I will I will happily have this discussion with anybody. But Andy Herman did explicitly state Jim Harbaugh is a big name, but he's not a good coach. And I could not disagree more with that. Uh, Michigan, there's a lot of national media narrative based around, oh, they've never beaten Ohio State. And that's fair. Um, Ohio State is the biggest game on Michigan's schedule every single year. They were favored this year, and they got blown out in Columbus. I get it. I understand that. However, if you are basing who is and is not a good coach based on one game on your schedule, I think that's poor. Michigan was losing to the types of Minnesota and Rutgers. And, I mean, Brady Hoke lost to some really bad teams before that. Jim Harbaugh's won 10 games every year that he hasn't had to use his third-string quarterback, which he did last year. And they went 8-5. and five. For comparison's sake, everybody loves Mark D'Antonio, head coach of Michigan State. Michigan State used a third-string quarterback two years ago, and they finished 3-9. and nine. Now, I'm not saying that makes Mark D'Antonio a bad coach, but Jim Harbaugh is not a bad coach. He's a very good coach. He won 44 games in San Francisco, and they really only became unsuccessful because he and Jed York couldn't get along, so they were undercutting him at every turn, which is one of your drawbacks to Harbaugh. He kind of wears out his welcome pretty quickly. But 44-19-1, Three conference title appearances, one Super Bowl appearance, and they were, what, three yards away from winning that Super Bowl or something of that sort against a Ravens team that was red hot that year. So, I'm not saying I want Jim Harbaugh as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. However, for those of you that are out there insinuating that he's not a good coach, feel free to at me. It's at Jacob Westendorf. I will talk to you all day long about that because Jim Harbaugh is a good football coach. So, Yeah, you hear that, Andy? Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're listening, Andy, and I hope you're feeling better. But damn it, that made me angry the other night. Um, so, Zach, to get to your John Harbaugh point here, the concern I would have is just that he's a special teams coach as his specialty, if you will. So you have to have a good offensive coordinator and a good defensive coordinator. Maybe that part's taken care of with Mike Pettin. The offensive coordinator part, that would worry me just a little bit just because if you're an offensive coordinator on a team whose coach is not an offensive coach, 
you're getting hired every year that your offense is good. So, for example, uh, let's just say they hire Gary Kubiak. And that's just throwing a name out there. Gary Kubiak's been a head coach before, so maybe not the greatest example, but that's the best I have for right now. So bear with me. The Packers have a good offense one year with Gary Kubiak, and bam, somebody's getting a head coach off of that. Uh, Joe Philbin would be another example of those sorts of things. The Packers' offense was good, granted, albeit under an offensive head coach, and he was hired away. That can happen. Uh, that would be my concern with John Harbaugh. But as far as specific names, I'm going to piss everybody off all offseason because I'm going to say I don't have any. I have my qualifications. I do not have a specific name. So we're going to have to go with Zach's thought of unofficially John Harbaugh, and it remains to be seen how that will go down the stretch of this season if they even fire him and he's available. If he was, John Harbaugh doesn't check all my boxes, so to speak, but I do believe he's a good football coach. So ultimately that's what I want in Green Bay. Zach, we've reached reached the end here. Uh, what I want to do real quick is just, what is your favorite, outside of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl Forty Five is obviously going to live in lore forever and ever. What is your favorite memory of Mike McCarthy as the head coach over the last 13 years? Oh, wow. Put me on the spot here. There's, there's a lot. Um, I can go first if you need time to think. That would be nice. Yeah, I have a lot to choose from. <laughs> okay. I, I, I love McCarthy, so... I'll give Zach some time to think. So mine is, it's very simple. They lost to New England in Foxborough in 2010, and they're 8-6, and and they need to win their last two games to go to the playoffs. They're kind of an underachieving team. The Packers were like a a dark horse. They weren't exactly a Super Bowl favorite going into that year, but they were a dark horse team that a lot of people thought could make a run at the Super Bowl. And Mike McCarthy looks right at the reporter, right in, which happens to be right in line with the camera, and says, hey, we're nobody's underdogs. Uh, we're eight and six, and now we got to get ready to play the Giants and see if we can get to nine and six, basically. But that mentality of I don't care who we're playing, when we're playing them, where we're playing them, we are the Green Bay Packers, and we are not anybody's underdog by any stretch of the imagination. And the Packers ended up winning the Super Bowl that season. If you want a a second one, here is mine, mostly to buy Zach a little bit more time, but here it is. They're at the preseason meeting where. Like, this year, the Packers came out dressed like Cowboys. Like, Rodgers has that famous picture of him in the Cowboy hat, the bolo tie, and the mustache. I don't really know what that's called, so if somebody does know, feel free to let me in on what they call that preseason, like, meeting. And he says they're playing the Bears to open the season, and I live in Bears country. And McCarthy says something to the effect of, we will proudly stand as the 98th team in the history of the Green Bay Packers when we go out and kick Chicago's ass. And I loved it. Um, obviously, I want the Packers to beat the Bears every single time they play them. It makes my life much easier on Monday mornings after they play the Bears after a win. And for him to say, hey, we're playing our rival. It's the first game of the season. I don't care. We are kicking their ass. And that'll be my secondary one. But nobody's underdog. That'll live forever. It's the title of a book that was written about Mike McCarthy. It's It was a mentality of a team that happened to win – you know, the first the first real championship that I can remember in my lifetime, I was like six years old when they won at the Superdome and, you know, Super Bowl 31. So that one matters, but Super Bowl 45 will always matter a smidge more to me. So, Zach, I've given you as much time as possible. I feel like the dude who's talking really slow to the waitress so the other person can get their order figured out so she doesn't leave. Uh, do you have anything now? That's really accommodating of you. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, 
You know what? I still don't have one, but I, I am going to roll with your nobody's underdog statement because I think that really epitomized McCarthy's tenure as a Packers head coach because he wasn't their first option in 2006. He beat out Sean Payton and a couple of other guys. Or no, he was actually their second option, I believe, behind Sean Payton. But still, the point stands, he wasn't their first option. And this Pittsburgh native guy, he just came in and he stuck to it for 13 years. He won a Super Bowl. He was in the playoffs for eight consecutive years. And he took he took Aaron Rodgers coming out of college, coming out of Cal, and completely morphed him into, you know, the early stages of the guy that we see today playing quarterback for the Packers. Because Rodgers, he was far from a, fi- a finished product coming out of college. So McCarthy got a hold of him and completely, I guess you could say, rejuvenated him and changed Everything about the way he played quarterback. No more holding the ball up by the ear hole. No more, you know, planting his feet a certain way. It was it was a complete, a complete shift. And that alone, I think, really set the tone for the rest of McCarthy's tenure there. But that's nobody's underdog. I, I'm, I'm going to roll with that one. Mainly because I can't think of anything else. There's been so many McCarthy moments in the pressers where he's just like either snapped back at reporters or he's made like, you know, funny little jokes here and there and he offers that vintage, that vintage smile, which I'm sure, you know, when he came in and addressed the team earlier last week, I'm sure, I'm sure there was a lot of that. But yeah, McCarthy, he's just, he's just a great guy. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, the Packers have been very lucky to have that man in uh, as the head of their, the face of their franchise, if you will, for the last 13 years. And now it's the end of an era, and hopefully, like I mentioned, a four-game tenure for Joe Philbin. I, I have zero desire to see him as the head coach. Uh, and we don't need to get too far into that. I think most people would agree. Um, but that will remain to be seen on all that. That will do it for this edition of Pack-A-Day. Uh, be sure to check us out. Follow us at Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can Come on in, give us a subscription, whatever it is on your favorite podcast app. Give us a rating. Tell us that you like what you're doing. Be sure to send your well wishes to at Scotty Sports. That's Andy Herman, our guy. He's having his gallbladder removed. He's been placed on injured reserve and out for the remainder of the season. But we are hoping that with the new year coming, uh, that he will be back in the saddle and giving us his film breakdowns, his podcasting, his television appearances with my friend from college, Marcus Eversall. So that's really cool to say I know both of those guys. You can follow Zach. Zach, where can we find you? As always, you guys find me at Zach A. Jacobson, uh, Z-A-C-H, by the way. Find me on Twitter there. You can find me, uh, the new host of The Leap on iTunes. You can find me there. You can find me on The Scoop on KLGR 1490 AM. And I... Hopefully, by the time you guys do that, I'll be able to think of a favorite McCarthy moment. So there you go. And you can find me. I mentioned it earlier. It's at Jacob Westendorf. Come at me with your Packers thoughts, head coach thoughts, Jim Harbaugh hatred. I am here for all of it. Thank you guys for listening in once again. And Packers-Falcons noon today, Lambeau Field. Playoff hopes hanging by the slimmest of threads. We'll see if Green Bay comes out and plays a little bit better than they have in recent memory. So thank you guys for listening in. And as always, go Pack Go. Six trailing 30 to 23. Two minutes straight up to go in the game. San Francisco showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rogers looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Yes! Yes!
Devontae Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass, the Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third, down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Sam to Rogers looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the touch. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all 6'5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers. Looking downfield. Throws the left side. He's got it. Out of bounds inside the 10-yard line. Oh, my goodness. What a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.